0: So take a minute, maybe 30 seconds, and you can talk to the people around you if you like. I want you to think of the wisest person that you've ever known and think about what they were like, the wisest person you've ever known. So give me some words... This wise person that you thought of, the wisest person that you've ever known, what were they like? Call out some words for me. What was that? Patient, yes. Kind. Caring. Humble, yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Understanding, Yes. Strong? Um, Yes, knows the right thing to say. Wise people are like that, aren't they? And they know when to keep their mouths shut as well, don't they? Yeah. Most of us would like to be thought of as wise, wouldn't we? But wisdom is one of those things that's a bit hard to pin down. We know wise people. We know that we'd like to be like them. But if I asked everybody here tonight, what is wisdom, we'd probably get lots of different ideas. Now, some people equate wisdom with age. And it's true, there are a lot of older people who are wise. But there's lots who are unwise too. Would you agree? Yes. So, there must be more to it than just age, Some people link wisdom to education, a person who has a degree or a doctorate even. They must be really wise. But if you hang out with really well-educated people or you watch a show like Q&A, you quickly learn that education doesn't necessarily equate with wisdom. You're laughing, it's true, isn't it? often quite the opposite. (laughs) Maybe you would think that someone who had a lot of knowledge of the Bible would be really wise. And that might be true. But knowledge even of the Bible doesn't necessarily bring wisdom. The Pharisees are a good example. These guys could quote from memory the first five books of the Old Testament Yet, Jesus was very condemning of them. He called them hypocrites and vipers and whitewashed tombs. So, knowledge of even of the Bible doesn't necessarily equate to wisdom. So, what is wisdom? I spent some time this week looking at some definitions. The Webster... Defines it as the ability to make right use of knowledge. One I like is wisdom is the affectionate application of truth to every situation and relationship of our life. Bill Heibel's definition, I think, is simple and it captures the essence of wisdom really well. He says, Wisdom is what is true and right combined with good judgment. If you were here last week, you'll know that we've started a series in the book of James. And we talked about the fact that this short little book in the New Testament is a letter. And it's written from James, who was the brother of Jesus and also a leader in the early church. It's one of the earliest books. Written in the New Testament, written about AD 49, and it's written to Christians who are suffering, who are really struggling and suffering for their faith. And last week we looked at a few verses, just the first uh, four verses, I think it was, where James says, Consider it pure joy when trouble comes, because in those times our faith is tested and our character is shaped in a way that could only happen in the furnace of suffering. So this is the context of the verses that we're about to read. After talking about what their attitude should be in the midst of suffering, James turns straight away to wisdom. Remember the people that he's writing to are living in the first few decades of the Christian church. They'd fled from Jerusalem to avoid persecution but it seems that they weren't responding wisely to the trials that they had in their lives I don't know maybe they were getting fearful maybe they were panicking maybe they were questioning their faith maybe they were falling away from the church or compromising their beliefs whatever they were doing it must have been James's conviction that they were lacking wisdom and so he tells them what they must do. So yes, I hear you say, I've come to church on May the 11th, 2014 and I'm going to find out how to become wise. Well, actually, that's true. I believe James has some really simple but very profound stuff to teach us tonight. Stuff that will help us to be wise people. So let's look at James chapter 1, starting at verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. It's pretty simple. You want to be wise, James says, Ask God for wisdom. Wisdom is a gift from God. We look for wisdom in all sorts of places, don't we? In, in knowledge, in philosophy, in science, in Facebook, in relationships, our friends, our parents, our grandparents. But James says that wisdom is found in God. And he doesn't keep it to himself. You want to be wise, James says, then ask God for it. Ask God for wisdom. You just have to ask. In Matthew 7 verse 8, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks, receives. James says to these struggling Christians, if you lack wisdom, ask God. He doesn't say agonise for it, wrestle in frustration, roll on the floor, begging for wisdom. He just says, ask. Just ask God day by day for wisdom. Don't face a day without asking the Lord to make you wise in all sorts of circumstances. And James says that we can ask with confidence. Why? Listen to verse 5 again. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So we can ask with confidence because God is a generous God He longs to bless us with wisdom, and do you see who he gives it to? God gives wisdom immeasurably to old people? No, to people who read their Bible every day. No, to people who deserve it and show an aptitude for wisdom. To people who haven't already stuffed up their lives. No, he gives immeasurably to all. That's, that's you and me. And he gives immeasurably to all without finding fault. God knows all about you. And when you come to him and you ask him please give me wisdom, he wants you to know that he is utterly committed to making you wise. So ask for wisdom and never stop asking him. As you wake in the morning, pray Lord, help me to be wise today. As you face choices, ask him, Lord, show me what the wise choice is in this. In your conversations, pray Lord, what is the wise way to respond to that? Ask and ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you now as tempting as it might be to keep it that simple James does have a little bit more to say about this he says that the way we ask for wisdom is important so let's keep reading verse 6 but when he asks he must believe and not doubt Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. So there's two things that are important about the way that we ask for wisdom. The first thing is that we have to ask in faith. James says we need to ask for wisdom believing not doubting that God can do it. The New Testament is full of stories of people of amazing faith. A bunch of guys who believed so strongly that Jesus could heal their friend that they lowered him down through the roof of the house where Jesus was. A woman who had been hemorrhaging for years, who just reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' cloak, because she believed that that would be enough for her to be healed. The centurion whose son is sick, who says, Jesus, you don't even have to come to my house. Just say the word from where you are, and you can heal him if you want to. These people had heard about Jesus. They'd listened to his teaching. Maybe they'd met him, and they believed that he could and would help them. And so they sought him out and asked him. And James is saying that when we come to God to ask for wisdom, that's the kind of attitude that we need to have. God, I know you want to help me with this. I know you can. You've promised to give me wisdom and I know you're a generous God, so Lord, help me to be wise in this. Now the Lord knows that we struggle, that we have doubts, that our faith wavers, that's okay. We talked about this last Sunday morning about a man whose son was demon possessed in Mark chapter 9 and he said to Jesus, I do believe, I think. Help me overcome my unbelief. Help my son if you can. And Jesus took that Weak faith, and he dealt with the spirit that had tormented the man's son for years. Jesus knows that our faith is sometimes weak. But James says that we need to come in faith, trusting that God is good and faithful, and he'll grant wisdom to, to anyone that asks for it. The second thing that James says is important is that we have to ask for wisdom in a way that is single-minded, not unstable. James says that a person who is double-minded, unstable in all his ways, will not receive wisdom. The word double-minded in the Greek, it literally means double-souled. The prophet Elijah in the Old Testament, he faced a nation of double-minded people. They worshipped the Lord, but they also worshipped Baal. They might have a Baal icon near their door and then they went in and out and they prayed to Baal, but they also prayed to God, the God of Elijah. And Elijah confronts them and he tells them that you can't do this, that you can't waver between two gods. He says, if the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal is God, follow him. So it's talking about being not having your beliefs in one thing, but, but having lots of lots of beliefs side by side. And that's really prevalent in our society. People have a Buddha in their garden or hanging on their wall. They read their stars religiously. They worship their job or their car or their footy team. But if a family member dies, they'll have a Christian funeral and they'll gladly say, he's gone to a better place. I've even even known double-souled people in churches. They come to church on Sunday. They worship God. But come Monday, their faith, doesn't really have any impact in their lives. Their friends don't know they're a Christian. They don't give God a thought till next Sunday. And James says people like that, double-souled people, are unstable. They have no foundation. They're blown about like a wave in the sea and they will not receive wisdom. At some point in life, Each of us comes to a point when we look in the mirror and we decide enough is enough. I'm done with foolishness. I've damaged enough relationships. I've said enough stupid things. I've wasted enough time. I've squandered enough money. I've shed enough tears. I've tried my own wisdom. It's time I sought God's wisdom. If you're there tonight... It's simple. You just have to admit to God that you're struggling, that you're done with your own wisdom and that you need his wisdom. And the promise of his word is very clear. He's a generous God and he will gift you with wisdom, with his wisdom, which is holy and good and makes right choices and says wise things. But when you come to God, look at your heart and ask yourself, how's my faith? Do I really believe that God can and will make me wise? Maybe you need to say like the man in Mark 9, I do believe, I think I do believe. Help me God, help me with my unbelief. And then ask yourself also, am I living a life that is double-minded or double-souled? Am I unstable? And Am I worshipping a whole heap of different things? Am I blown like the waves in the sea? Talk to God about it if that's what's going on in your life and ask him to do a work in your heart and in your soul to make you stable and strong. Many of you will know that our family has some old cars and so... Over the years, Murray has spent a fair bit of his spare time working on cars. Now, if something goes wrong with my car, something happens to make me realise that there's a problem, there's a noise or there's some sort of fluid leaking from where it shouldn't be or I turn on the ignition and nothing happens, that's when I decide, okay, there's something wrong with the car. And so I go to Murray and I say, please, there's something wrong with my car. Can you fix it? Fully believing that he can and he will. And usually then, unless it's something really simple, Murray goes and grabs the manual. Usually in the manual, there is detailed information about how to fix the problem. It'll tell you what parts you need, how to get the old ones out, helpful tips like make sure you put a dish under on your driveway or you'll get covered in oil. Practical step-by-step details about how to fix the problem. Now, these few verses of James have brought us to the stage where we can say there's a problem. I need wisdom. I need to ask God I need to make sure I ask him the right way, but I need to ask God for wisdom. In the car analogy, that's the stage where I say, Murray, my car's making a really bad noise. Can you please fix it? That's that stage. But if we really want to live lives that are filled with God's wisdom, we need a more detailed manual. Thankfully, God's given us that. And it's his word. His word gives us the details. It's the wisdom manual. If you want to take this further, you need to get into God's word. Fill your head with God's word. A great place to start is a book of Proverbs. It's written by King Solomon, who is known to be the wisest man to have ever lived. That's a real claim to fame isn't it and it's jam-packed full of practical godly wisdom verses like proverbs 1 verse 7 the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction proverbs 3 verse 9 honor the law with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing Proverbs 6, verse 9, when will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. Proverbs 11, verse 17, your soul is nourished when you are kind. Aren't they wise words? but it's destroyed. Your soul is destroyed when you're cruel. Chapter 6, verse 25. Do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes, for the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread. Proverbs 12. The Lord detests lying lips. Proverbs 15, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tr- tongue crushes the spirit. We know that to be true, don't we? He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Pride goes before a fall. Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened calf with hatred. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisers they succeed. Proverbs 22, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he or she is old, they will not turn from it. Proverbs 14, he who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. I could go on all night. I'm not going to. There is so much practical stuff in the book of Proverbs. You want to be wise? We all want to be wise. Start by asking God. He's good, he's generous, and he wants to bless you with wisdom. He wants you to make wise choices, say wise things. You just need to ask him. Then grab the manual, his word. Read it. Fill your life with it. But remember that wisdom isn't about knowledge. It's not enough to just know the word. The Pharisees did that. You have to live it. Let's pray together. Lord, we so want to be wise people. And so we pray, God, that you would make us wise. Bless us with your wisdom. We believe that you can and that you want to and you will. So, Lord, make us wise people, we pray. And, Lord, we thank you for your word, for the amazing detailed manual for living life that it is. Forgive us for the days on end that we leave it it sitting unopened. Help us to immerse ourselves in your word every day. And may your word do more than just fill us with knowledge. May it change us and grow us to be more like Jesus. Bless us with your wisdom.